Hey there, here's what's coming up in this episode. The things that happen are not amazing. Some of them are just, (laughs) you're like, what? It's ludicrous. But I don't believe that it has to be miserable all the time. Mm -hmm. I thought if I'm going to make perimenopause my identity, it's going to be fun. (laughs) So that's what I did. Welcome to the My Aloof Vagina podcast, where we explore the distress and surprise of our midlife transitions. It's inevitable, so we may as well equip ourselves and have a good time. I'm just popping in to provide an introduction to this bonus episode. It's part of an interview I did, and I cut it to fit this show because their show is a bit longer. But if you want to hear more, you can find their entire podcast anywhere you listen. It's called Navigating Joy Together, and it's a family doing episodes about the different tactics they're using to make sure they keep joy alive in their lives. I found it to be a really sweet show. I found the family to be lovely. Lauren, the mom, is a woman also of a certain age, and we hit it off. I think you might enjoy today's excerpts. Is that how you say that? I've only read it. Excerpt. Do you do you even pronounce the P? I don't know. That's not the point. The point is I do talk about the journey of the podcast. I do talk a little bit about the relational situation that left me depressed and kind of fueled my search for meaning, Martha's search for meaning, that finally got my podcast off the ground. So that may or may not be interesting to you. If not, that's okay. This is just a bonus. Without any further ado, let's make our way through navigating joy together. Martha McBride, thank you so much for being here. Hi. So would you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I am in my 50s. I'm single. I'm actually a grandmother now. I'm a nana, which is crazy. And I have just gotten into podcasting after a lifetime of wanting to do something like that. I just seized this season in my life to do something that brings me joy. But I have a long background in media and writing and all those kinds of things. Actually a varied background because I was a single mom. I got pregnant very young and then divorced. So I kind of hustled through life and was just doing whatever I could do and needed to do to support my son, which meant a lot of really responsible jobs and a lot of making choices that were based on necessity. So I'm grateful to be in this season where I'm older and I can do other things and kind of experiment and do some things that are a little more frivolous. First question, what drives your daily joyful choices? Currently? Let's talk about very currently because I have to admit that I've had periods of time where I'm not as in touch with joy. And I actually came out of a depression, which happens after a bad experience. I had a terrible breakup. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just the breakup that was terrible. Really, a couple of years leading up to the breakup, it was not great. I didn't realize how disconnected I was from joy. I certainly looked joyful to other people because I am one of those people. And I show up shiny and happy and optimistic because I am naturally. And I was kind of gaslighting myself a little bit with how happy I was. Things are great to kind of mask the real feelings. It wasn't until I processed the grief of the breakup that all the actual deep joy came back. Mm. So I was doing the things to cultivate joy, to choose joy, to increase joy in my life. I was doing that maybe a little bit more desperately than normal, but I'd lost sight of what it feels like to feel truly, deeply joyful during that time that I was denying my truth and denying the real feelings and 
trying to kind of cover up for myself and ignore and la 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 my way through things that were a problem. So right now I'm currently in a very joyful place, but it wasn't long ago, I can remember it really vividly, that I kind of had lost my connection to daily joy that was real. So one of the ways that I know when I'm in a joyful place, I sing more like that, make up stupid songs when I'm doing something, I sing the words. And that's like an indicator to me like, oh yeah, you're in that place right now. Even if I'm singing, why can't I find find my stupid keys? Right? (laughs) Because I'm still in the place where singing comes naturally. So, so that's joy, right? And it's 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 a clue to me that I might be really annoyed with myself right now because I can't find my keys, but I am still in joy. And the other indicator, which I hadn't realized was missing during that period of time, was that in the morning, at some point, probably 20 years ago, I started this practice. I would lay in my bed and go through my gratitude in the morning and think these positive thoughts. This was a really tough period in my life. So I was, you know, really trying to create these practices that made me focus on what was good because other things were challenging. And one of the practices was I would wake up in the morning and I would say, oh my gosh, I love my life. I love my life. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So I'd kind of made it a habit. And that was a specific season when I needed that tool. And I don't remember where I got it. But that's how I knew I was back because it has stuck with me all of these years. And one morning I woke up and I said it and I'm like, oh my gosh, I've come out the other side of this really dark journey. So I do that in the morning. I wake up and I'm like, I love my life. I'm so happy. I, all of those things. And it's it comes naturally because I've been doing it for so long. But I hadn't recognized in the past. And I'm sure there have been seasons when I haven't done it. Never had it been so stark mm. that it had returned. And I thought, oh my gosh, when was the last time I, I said that? Mm-hmm. As I was coming out of that, I had a conversation with a friend who's a coach. And I was talking about all the things I should be doing. And, and she said, how about just for a little while, you ask in the morning, what would I love to do? Instead of this other question you've been asking yourself, what would I love to do today? And by the way, that's such a luxury and a privilege mm-hmm. to even be able to ask that question. But I am in a stage of my life where my responsibilities are different. I'm older. I don't have any kids. I work for myself, although I don't always have a ton of work, right? So that, that can be scary. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought, oh, yeah, let me try that for a little bit. And you know what I ended up doing? I ended up starting that podcast from interviews I had been collecting and recording for a couple of years, but that had sat on my computer because I had been choosing something different. So when she said that, I thought, what is something I would love to do that I haven't been doing? And it was to turn those interviews into a podcast. And so now all of that has contributed a ton of joy because the learning, the doing, being able to show up that way has been so fun and has been such an antidote and such a treatment for what could be a really distressing time. Mm -hmm. That question is really powerful. I like that question because... It makes you conscious of what you are going to choose for the day. You could just make that decision right there at the beginning of the day, whether it is starting a podcast or whatever it is, you know, for that day to get you into that space. That's just so amazing. There are some days when I say, so what would you love to do today? And I think, well, I'm really going to love going to the dump, the things you have to do, right? I'm going to love going to the DMV. 
<laughs> right? Because there are things you have to do. Then when I go to the dump, I am definitely thinking like doing this with joy, almost like making fun of myself. And it does kind of make it better. You're always going to have the chores and the things you have to do. You may as well inject those with joy too. I have a habit of worrying about where money is going to come from and where work is going to come from because I was a single mom and I'd been the sole provider for so long. And a little bit of internalized messaging that it wasn't responsible to do something fun like that, that I wanted for myself. You're right. Just asking the question opens it up so that you can consider, okay, I'm making these choices today. And why? Because I want to keep my family together or because I want to stay on track with whatever, or because, you know, it's really important for me to get my stupid mental health walk, whatever. You still get to make the choices. You still get to live the regular life, but there's something about the question. I'm so grateful for her that she introduced that into my life because it has been super helpful. If you asked yourself that question this morning, what were you thinking? What would I love to do today on a beautiful weekend day? (laughs) Initially, I would say I get to go outside and hike up a mountain or go hiking with my dog. However, with this on my mind, I've been so excited about having this conversation with you. I would say I get to do a podcast interview. Yeah, it is exciting. You know, we have two choices on how we feel and handle things, really. Like we could just go do those things miserably. Be like, oh gosh, I have to go to the dump. What a waste of time. I hate going there. It's stinky. Or we could do it in that realm. Hey, I got to go to the dump and get rid of stuff. Again, it's that conscious shift of how am I going to shift a pattern? My husband and I talk a lot about this and I don't know if you've heard about this in, in any of our episodes, but we talk about pattern shifting. Yes. So when you are in this normal pattern of doing something and you're realizing, oh gosh, it's creating this anger or this worry or this frustration, how can I go back and choose it differently and do it differently? For instance, oh gosh, I got to go to the dump and I have to run all these errands. I have to clean my house versus I'm going to put some music on and I'm going to have this beautifully cleaned house. You know, you just do things very differently and you shift that pattern a bit. I think sometimes we walk around as, in a sense, robots, just, we just kind of do it. We don't think about things, but when you want to be in joy and create more joy, we have to soul search a little bit. What are the patterns I do that continue to make me angry and what can I shift and how can I do it differently so that I can be more joyful and happy during whatever I'm doing. Yeah. What you said is interesting about patterns because how many of the patterns are just programming and ideas we've gotten somewhere else that something isn't fun? I think some of it's commercials, right? Commercials like, oh, because everything has to, to sell you something, you've got to have a problem. So they make everything seem like it's painful. Mm -hmm. on some level. Oh, I have to go to the grocery store. Oh, isn't the worst chore? But you know, I kind of like the grocery store. Yeah. For some reason, it's really fun for me. Grocery shopping is fun for me. And it sounds crazy, but is it crazy? Or are we just getting the message that grocery shopping sucks? Because grocery shopping is like this giant building full of fruits and vegetables and Mm -hmm. all of these things and people and crazy things happening in the aisles and colorful packaging and ideas in case you don't know what you want to eat this week or whatever, or new products. It actually is an interesting thing to do. Oh, well, if you do it every week, do it for five kids and all of those things. Okay, maybe, maybe that really is how you feel and what your valid feeling was and came from within and you generated it yourself because that was your experience. But I challenge people to go look back and say, okay, when did you first decide that grocery shopping was terrible? Because mine was different. It's more like family messaging. But when did I decide that 
I needed to struggle and not do things I loved? When did I decide that I couldn't do things that were in my area of interest and then make that decision and just live it as if it was the case? Mm -hmm. Some of those patterns aren't even ours. So I'm actually going to use that examining the pattern and going back the next time I find myself complaining about something that I have to do. The next time I'm in the morning, I'm like, I'm going to love going to the gynecologist. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to say, okay, wait a second. Objectively, what is bad about it? Is that you get to stop by Starbucks on the way? Is it that it's next to this place that you like that has those weird candy caramel things? Which part of the going to the gynecologist do you hate? Is it that they have a really easy parking lot? Or is it that you like your doctor? Or is it that you are doing something and being responsible for your health? Is it that one thing in your life that's completely focused on you and is kind of self-care? Like, which part of it do you hate, Martha? Mm-hmm. And I could come back and say, I really don't like the speculum. Right. And then I could be honest about what sucks about it. And it's the one thing, right? Right. With that. And then when you think about all the other things that are great about it, <laughs> yeah. that, you know what I mean? Like, like you said, all those external things. Like I never get that chocolate unless I'm going there. Right. <laughs> and yeah. so if I have an extra visit, let's say like this year, I had an extra visit, I'd go back for something and I thought, Ooh, I can have chocolate again this year. Yeah. Right. Exactly. It's those external pieces or factors, which we don't pay attention to often. It's just, Oh, I got to do this. And now that you say that every Saturday night, I'm meal planning for the week and I'm always thinking, Oh my gosh, I am so tired of meal planning. I can't stand this. Like it's, I hate it because I'm so tired of it, but I have to think of all those other things. You know, there's so many great things about it. It comes back to being grateful too. I get to do this. I get to provide great meals for my family. I get to cook them. And sometimes my children have planned some meals and that actually is really fun. We'll be like, I want to pick a meal and I'm going to cook it and incorporating that a little bit more. Yeah. And then the message you give your kids is, hey, meal planning is fun. Yeah, exactly. Maybe, maybe, maybe not because there are companies out there that want you to think that meal planning is hard. So they'll be getting messaging about, oh, sick of meal planning. But maybe that will be something they like to do. And their partner will be like, are you kidding me? Like, no, come on. It's, we're going to sit on a meal plan. It's so fun. Yeah. And they'll be bringing joy to someone else. These little things that can just bring joy, which we don't think about. I want to really quickly circle back to that time in your life where you were not, you didn't say pretending to be in joy, but you had all this heartbreak and so forth going on. And it's really interesting. See, there's a reason why we connected because years ago when I started this whole process, I was working with a coach and I had to ask people who were really close to me specific questions. One of them was my best friend who I grew up with. And she had gone through this whole period of my life when my dad got sick with ALS and I lost him. And the question she asked was... I can't remember the question I asked her, but she came back and said, I wonder if you actually let yourself feel sad when you're sad. And it was really powerful. It really opened up my eyes because I also have always been a very happy person just as a kid, smiled all the time. And anytime anything was bothering me, I would just kind of push it aside and I would do life and I would live and be happy And then what I realized after all this work, I was masking that joy, right? Even though I thought I was being joyful and I was feeling joyful, I truly wasn't internally feeling it. And you had mentioned that. And I thought that was a really interesting connection. And you had said, you know, when you find yourself singing, then you know now that you're in joy. But what other kinds of things do you feel when you know you're truly in joy? Oh, gosh, because the singing is a big one. 
and dancing around a little bit. And of course, the waking up in the morning, like, I love my life. Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. thank you. <laughs> Which is such a funny habit. I was working on these very deliberate practices. And then that one just stuck. And it just makes you laugh because it's totally unconscious now. It's before I'm even fully awake. I'm saying it in my head. Something that happens spontaneously. I'm trying to think of other ways that I know. Because like you, I have always been very good at sticking to my persona of being the joyful, happy person. There are definitely times, and that was one of them, instead of feeling it and letting myself feel it, I was keeping up my energy and doing all the things that bring joy to try to bring it back and then not going through it. And I had to actually stop in that situation and let it wash over me. And it was hard, right? It was, mm-hmm. I've been resisting it for so long that I, I think I probably stretched it out. It probably didn't have to be such a long process, but I had been avoiding it. Like you described, it was pushing it aside. And when I actually let it happen, it was really dark and really heavy. And then it kind of passed through. Like there's only one way through it. And I knew that intellectually, but I was resisting. If someone had asked me socially, I would have said, oh no, I'm great. Everything's great. No, I'm, I'm happy. Yeah. Listen, no, it's good. It's good. Yes. I would have given that answer at the same time that it wasn't good. I wasn't good. And then when I let it happen, people just didn't really see much of me when I was actually mm-hmm. doing it. I just went inward and did it and thank God, because you, you have to feel it. But I'm trying to think of besides those things, what my little indicators are. I mean, there, there are little things like I get into flow. You know what? Why I'm having trouble with this, Lauren, the indicators are also sometimes the source mm. or can be used as practices to get back in there. So for instance, when I'm working and in flow where I look up and go, oh my gosh, it's been how many hours, but not in the, oh my gosh, I've been working so much, but in the, oh my, I got lost and I did this stuff and it was awesome. Mm-hmm. That is both an indicator and something that creates joy. Because when I've had those flow moments afterwards, I'm totally energized instead of being exhausted after 10 hours of working. Or like I told you, I was working on that project yesterday, learning a new thing. And I thought, oh, I spent the whole day. But in reality, I spent the whole day. I wasn't even paying attention to time because I was learning and it was this new experience. So I think the other indicators that I find myself in flow more, which makes me think that when I'm experiencing joy, I allow myself to be in flow more instead of stopping myself and saying, no, you have to do this and this and this and give myself reasons why I can't get into that great book or I can't waste time with quotes on learning something new or doing something that takes me five hours and would take someone else one hour. When I'm not in joy, I am judging all those things all the time as whether or not they're worthy activities. Mm -hmm. Do I have time? And when I'm in joy, I do have time to read the book. I do have time to learn a new skill. So those are also indicators for me when I'm not shaming myself as much. I don't think we realize, you know, that we might be in that state of joy. Tapping into those feelings and what's happening is important. So we know. And I had to think about it. You just observed me discovering it. That was not something I knew (laughs) to tell you. (laughs) I was thinking, what else is it? Now I'm aware of that. I wasn't aware before. So thank you. Yeah. (laughs) Now I'll notice it next time. Or maybe I'll notice when I am not allowing myself to do something like that and say, okay, what's going on here? That you're not allowing yourself to take that time. Yeah. I think you'll notice on both ends. Yeah. How do you share your passion? 
for joy with others. Mine is very specific right now, but in general, I try to be an uplifting person. It's definitely with humor. I feel like I've been pretty serious on this interview, but in general, (laughs) I'm kind of irreverent. I like to make people laugh, especially it's probably a coping mechanism. When things are tense, I'm going to try to break the tension with humor in Mm -hmm. some way. My current project, is it cool if I talk about it? Yes, please. So my current project is something that kind of helped me in that transition from being depressed, unhappy, and sad about that situation. Mm -hmm. As I was coming out of it, this is again back to that thing where the practice can actually bring the joy, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's a chicken or the egg, but as I came out of it, I had picked up a project that I've been wanting to do forever, but I hadn't allowed myself to do. The podcast about perimenopause and and being a woman in midlife and all of these things we go through. So I have a podcast called My Aloof Vagina. It was named because that was the first recognizable symptom I had of impending menopause. And I did not know it was a symptom. Thank goodness it happened because being afraid that my sex life was over forever, that I'd somehow missed it, mm-hmm. that scared me enough. This threat that maybe <laughs> maybe my vagina wasn't working anymore was enough for me to do the research to figure out that I actually was in perimenopause, that there is an entire constellation of symptoms that we are not told about. And some are just being discovered because, you know, the medical community hasn't paid a lot of attention to the attributes of the change Mm because they kind of thought, well, you're a grandma now. It doesn't Mm -hmm. really matter. Just not a lot of interest in studying it, not a lot of interest in fixing things for us. We kind of, in previous generations, were expected to just go be quiet about it because, ooh, that's gross, or be quiet about it because, Mm -hmm. well, everyone goes through it. And I felt upset, not the right word. Angry might be the word. I'm like a little bit angry, low level anger, nothing crazy, but a little angry that I could get to that point and look back and realize that even though I was seeing doctors and even though I'm a pretty open person, an educated person, that I could have gone that long without knowing that I was going through this process and that there were things I could do to mitigate some of the characteristics and the traits of that process. So I went on a research jag and then started sharing it with my friends. But because of who I am, I shared it with my friends in a funny way because some of the stuff is so alarming. So I was recording for my friends and sending emails and telling them. And ultimately that turned into a podcast for other women because the more people who heard about it, then I'd get messages from people saying, Hey, can you send her that thing about clitoral atrophy? And I would say, okay, (laughs) because that was the thing that scared us all. No one was alarmed when I talked about wrinkly necks or collagen or making sure you're getting the right micronutrients. No one freaked out when I talked about hot flashes or crepey skin on your leg. But the minute that we knew about clitoral atrophy, my friends freaked out because no one had mentioned it. When I went looking, when I suddenly thought, oh my gosh, I'm in this. And I like I do anything else. I was research, research, subscribing, getting apps, listening to podcasts, reading articles. So much of the messaging was couched to hit your pain point so they could sell you something. Mm-hmm. And I found myself getting more and more sad about, oh no, you know, because it could be a very sad stage for a single woman who's still out there trying to date. This is me. Mm-hmm. And I'm all alone. And I thought, you know what? No, this is a season where I am able to choose joy. I am able to choose my activities. I'm wiser. I have the luxury of going to the grocery store and... and- <laughs> 
buying bougie stuff because it's for one. I have the luxury of starting a crazy project where I talk about my private things in public, right? Mm -hmm. I have the luxury of all of these things. And a lot of it is because I'm over 50. A lot of it is because I'm over 50 and single. Mm. I felt like I could look at the funny side and the positive side at the same time acknowledging the realities and maybe help other people get to have that journey through this instead of the, "Mm, what can I sell you? Mm -hmm. Right. Or, oh, it's terrible. The things that happen are not amazing. Some of them are just... You're like, what? It's ludicrous. But I don't believe that it has to be miserable all the time. I think the messaging we're getting from each other is, oh, you're going through that. Oh, and misery loves company. And you know, the pain body, Eckhart Tolle's pain body, the pain body is super powerful. If I got a lot of attention for the fact that fill in the blank, while I was having certain afflictions, then there's a lot of incentive for me to really get attached to that affliction and make that my identity. Mm -hmm. I thought if I'm going to make perimenopause my identity, it's going to be fun. (laughs) So, so that's what I did. So my identity is that in that part of my life. So that is the practice. And that's why I have a lot of joy right now. Without that podcast, I wouldn't be meeting people like you. Mm -hmm. And it has brought a ton of positive energy into my life, optimism, a ton of information, great practices. I have something I'm creating every day, which is a huge joy creator. Being in creation, whether it's pottery or macrame, you know, whatever the thing is, there's something that is unleashed when you allow yourself to do that. And it can be hard to find something to make in our modern life with all the things we have going on. But when you're making, you're being a creator, you're kind of generating and contributing, even if it's just in your own house, that that is a source of joy to be mm-hmm. able to create. And so what I'm creating is this show where I want to help women find out about stuff in a way that's not super medical, that's not super earnest or distressing, that's fun, but also tips them off because it's the ignorance that leads us to either get too far down the path without fixing things with diet exercise or what have you or medical treatment and the shame. If I can make it so that you can get the information and it's not something to be embarrassed about, I'll embarrass myself for all of us and talk (laughs) about these things, then I feel like I'm really helping inject joy into the world and into the lives of women who are in the same situation I'm in. Well, I love that because now that I am heading in that direction, there's definitely a lot of negativity about it. So I'll just hook on to what you talk about and I'll listen to all of your (laughs) episodes. I don't want to live the next however many years of my life miserable um, while I go through that whole process of menopause because to me, it's not worth it. So this is the other thing about the constellation of symptoms. I now liken it to a giant playlist. And I don't like to call them symptoms. I like to call them traits and attributes because some Mm -hmm. of them are just your body changing. It needs support and care, but it's not necessarily an illness. The playlist of the potential, quote, symptoms, attributes, traits is shockingly massive. That's why I didn't know what it was. That's why Mm -hmm. so many women don't know. I ask them like, what's your canary in the coal mine? What is the thing that happened that you thought, oh my gosh, I'm in this. It's so infrequently the things you expected, your period stopping or hot flashes or other things. For a lot of people, it's something else. And then later they realize what it is and they look back. But I talk about that because the playlist is so large and we all get a different shuffle. I might get something that you don't get 
but we might have a couple that are the same. Mm-hmm. And then I might get in a different sequence than you do. And that I think is what throws women off and why they don't know and why so much of the suffering is with not knowing what to expect. And so my whole goal is to talk about these crazy things and help people know what to expect. And then also talk about things that people are distressed about that are happening, like incontinence, which is super common, especially for moms in their 50s mm-hmm. and younger. And they don't talk about it because it's such an old lady marketed to thing. Like the next stop is depends. There's a lot in between peeing when you sneeze or laugh or jump on a trampoline and depends. Yes. <laughs> And and there are things that can help you. But if you think, oh my gosh, I'm going to need Depends, then you might just hide your problem and not get treatment. So I thought, well, we'll just laugh about it. I love that. That's so great. Well, I look forward to listening to many more of your episodes and laughing. I think it'll hopefully open the door for other women and allow them to have a different experience, obviously not different what the body produces, but just their mind and what they think about it and how they deal with it. Thank you. And I I love your show. I have to tell you that I, I have not read your book yet, but I think the service you're providing, I know that your focus on this came out of grief. And this is a gift you're giving people. What's beautiful about your show is that you're not only focusing, just like we talked about how your friends said and like how I act and how you act. You're not just focusing on the happy, happy, joy, joy, Pollyanna version. You're talking about the real life things that you need to do to maintain joy and happiness and harmony in a family as Mm -hmm. well in other places. You can't just cover it up and you can't just ignore it and just be happy to get to joy and sustain joy and maintain joy. You do really need to be able to navigate the realities of life Mm -hmm. and have tools. So I love what you're doing. Thank you so much for that feedback. I appreciate it. This conversation was really enlightening for me. So I really appreciate your time. Thank you. I enlightened myself. I mean, (laughs) you enlightened (laughs) me, but also we process things that I hadn't even thought about before. So I'm going to walk away with new awareness about my own self and the way I do things. So thank you. Good. Thank you so much. I'm going to go write that question down too when we're finished. Thanks, Martha. Oh, thank you. Thank you for listening. Until next Next time, take care of yourself and take care of your vagina.